Gotham Sound is your one-stop audio solution for microphones, mixers, recorders, podcasting, and wireless. Whether you're looking to rent or buy sound equipment, are working at a church, feature film, a television show, podcast, theater, or a student project, Gotham Sound is here to serve you. With a huge selection of new and used gear, it's your first stop before you buy. Gotham Sound has the pro audio you need to make your project sound true professional. Gotham has been around for 18 years perfecting pro audio. Visit us at GothamSound.com. It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. We have a very special guest, Donald T. Phillips. He is the author of Lincoln on Leadership, Executive Strategies for Tough Times. Uh, Welcome to the program. Uh, Thanks. It's good to be here. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailor solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bayerdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth To Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators. Now, this is rather a staple in a very important book. There are only a few that kind of set the trend. This is a classic book. So how does it feel to, you know, develop a classic? A lot of people have responded to this book, and a lot of famous people will mention them, more like a who's who in leadership who have endorsed your book. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, really gratifying to tell, you the, to tell you the truth. The book came out in uh, 1992, and it, it pretty much sat there for a couple of years. Um, and then all of a sudden, as the world started changing and moving from business management philosophy to leadership worldwide, um, this book started to take off. And I think uh, Lincoln is somebody that people look to as a as a model for great leadership anyway. So I, I hit on something that um, has kind of stood the test of time. And I'm very proud of that. You should be. I mean, it's pretty amazing because this is before they had, you know, some book of Jesus CEO or something like that. This is way ahead of its time. This uh, this book again, Lincoln on leadership. Uh, does your phone ring this time of year <laughs> on Lincoln's? Oh, Sunday? absolutely. It absolutely does. Yeah, and <laughs> as a matter of fact, uh, Lincoln on leadership was 
was really the first book in this genre of uh, leadership books, on leadership type books. And, uh, and once it came out and it started to get popular, everybody said, well, this is a good idea. So it created this whole new leadership, you know, uh, genre like Reagan on leadership and Patton on leadership and Robert E. Lee on leadership and on and on and on. Yeah. And I mean, there's so much to say about Lincoln there. I mean, 15,000 books I know about uh, Abraham Lincoln. And so uh, how did it all begin for you? I mean, as far as a little bit of background, as far as your, um, I guess, beginnings, uh, your acumen, your profession, and uh, how you uh, came across uh, Abraham Lincoln. I I have uh, two degrees in the earth sciences and uh, I was, uh, I was in the energy business. So I was good at finding oil and gas. And back then when you're, when you uh, are good at that, they promote you, uh, but they didn't have a technical end. So I had to move into management if I wanted to further my career. And I was much better scientist trying to uh, find oil and gas than I was a people person uh, trying to be a manager or a leader. So mm-hmm. I started studying uh, leadership and management and I, I decided to uh, study Abraham Lincoln and uh, as, as a leader. And I wrote a couple of articles on that. And then I, uh, the stuff that I was practicing that Lincoln did it was was starting to work, and uh, so I decided to write a book. And you know, eight years later, I finally got it published. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Lou Holtz, uh, just some of the names, Joe Paterno, uh, many others include uh, what the, his name is Scully, the uh, last name of the what was he? He was the president of uh, of Apple, right? Uh, well, early on, um, business uh, corporations wouldn't buy the book. Uh, which is what it was originally targeted toward uh, from the publisher. And the two groups that uh, that really uh, picked up the book, asked me to come and speak, were the uh, United States Marine Corps. They put it on their recommended reading list. And then the American Football Coaches Association. And um, And I remember asking, you know, I asked both of them, why did they like this book? And it said, you know, the Marines said, well, when we, when we send people into battle, everybody has to be a leader in their own right. And this book actually discusses how to be a leader and gives examples of that. And, and it, it happens from the, uh, you know, from the standpoint of Abraham Lincoln with, with history, and it's easy to read. And, and when I talked to the football coaches, they said almost the same thing. They said, you know, when we put 11 players out on the field, uh, we want them to be leaders in their own right. And this book teaches people how to be better leaders using the model of Abraham Lincoln as, as a great leader. Yeah, it's not just all about talent. I mean, you see that in the NFL, people getting in trouble and uh, they need more of a foundation, certainly uh, people skills, right? Leadership skills and how effective that is. And so where do we begin with leadership with Abraham Lincoln? What's the first question people ask you about him? Well, people ask, you know, what, what made what made him such a good leader? And, and, uh, you know, I really tell them that he, you know, he was a people person and, uh, he spent a lot of time to get out in the field and meet with people, meet with his generals. He didn't stay in the, in the office all the time. And, uh, he basically got out and, and mingled with the troops so he could find out firsthand what was going on and make his own decisions based on what they said, rather than, what he read in the newspapers. You know, as far as, uh, do you continually read about him? I mean, once you've done your homework, that's it? Or uh, is he still having an impact on your life? I know the book has had an impact on a lot of people's lives. Your book, Lincoln on Leadership. 
I, I continue to study Abraham Lincoln. In fact, in fact, just a couple of years ago, I released uh, another book that my publisher asked me to put out called uh, Lincoln on Leadership for Today, uh, where I just took a look at, at Lincoln's life and, and what he said and some of the issues that he, uh, he dealt with when he was president of the United States. And many of them, as a matter of fact, we still deal with today. Um, in fact, it's a, it's a, politics hasn't changed that much, to tell you the truth. And in fact, I- these days, you know, we seem to be as divided as ever. In fact, a lot of people are talking about uh, we're as divided as we were during the Civil War, but it's not quite that bad yet. I hope it doesn't get that way. But no, I, fo- I follow Lincoln and, and have been uh, most of my life, ever since yeah. um, I was in sixth grade, basically. Donald Trump, is he like Lincoln? He says he is. <laughs> uh, he's not, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> no. expand on that, uh, you know, because uh, there is a lot of division, of course, and it's, you know, it's just tough. It's with politics. But uh, now, what do they call it now? The primaries? Is that, I'm so, you know, not with it. But is what do they call what's going on now with uh, Iowa? Yeah, they've and, got... Yeah, they've got the uh, presidential primaries in, in Iowa uh, and in New Hampshire. And yeah, so let, uh, mm-hmm. this is for the, the two parties. And, uh, you know, they, they had one they had one for the Democrats, uh, which was won by Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg. And then they also had one for the Republicans, which was won by um, Donald Trump. Both of them were. I mean, I find this interesting, okay, because... Man, everyone has a hand in certain advertising and so forth, but they have to make their appeal. Now, we know that Abraham Lincoln was a persuasive person, a good orator, and uh, but then you see what's happening. All of a sudden, people are making that turn, and they're connecting with the American people. Do you find that interesting, where they're, they're showing, uh, essentially, their leadership capability, right, on television in real time? Oh, yeah. You know, television uh, has changed everything. It's changed everything. You know, of course, there wasn't any television back then when Lincoln was president. You know, the main leading communication of the day was the newspapers. And uh, there were Democratic newspapers and there were Republican newspapers. And and it's like the parties have switched uh, identities now. Uh, Lincoln was the first Republican president of the United States. And um, he actually left the Whig Party to form the new fledgling Republican Party um, because he didn't like um, where the Democratic Party or the Whig Party was going back then, and he didn't want to be a Democrat back then. But uh, so yeah, things have changed tremendously. But he he became extremely well known um, during the Lincoln Douglas debates, a series of seven debates in Illinois across the state, where he uh, he was running for the United States Senate. And uh, he actually lost that race because uh, in those days, uh, the senators were picked by the state legislature, which uh, back then was controlled by the Democrats. So he actually lost that race, even though he, he won most of the popular vote uh, going around speaking to people in, in uh, Illinois. But it was covered by the New York Times. It was covered by the New York Times. It was covered by all of the major newspapers of the day. And and that. That kind of uh, raised Lincoln's stature within the party and within the United States to become he became the best known Republican and and eventually got the nomination and uh, went on to win with uh, a plurality of the vote. He he didn't he got a majority of the Electoral College, but he did not receive a majority of the popular vote, which 
Sounds pretty familiar today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I was going to ask you, what president, even including you know, the candidates that you see today trying to become president, anyone remind you of Abraham Lincoln? Well, you know, I just don't, I just don't know if there's ever going to be another Abraham Lincoln. Um, you know, you, you find uh, some, some of the candidates and some of past presidents, they, they try to model themselves after Lincoln to a certain degree. But Lincoln pretty much had it all. You know, he, he was uh, he was an amazing, uh, amazingly honest person. You know, they called him Honest Abe. That's right. Um, and he really was. He, he, he was a very, very strong individual. He also um, was uh, raised on the Bible. He was a very Christian gentleman. And he his mother uh, read the Bible to him every night when he was young. And that's how he learned to read, actually. And he was something of a scholar, to tell you the truth. And you can you can you can read all of his speeches and listen, you know you know read his speeches in his writings, and you can see uh, Christian values throughout the um, those speeches. It's pretty amazing, actually. But he really he really did live um, the scripture. He did, and and he I think that's one of the things that made him such a such a great leader. Well, we want to talk more about that. We're with Donald T. Phillips. He's a, uh, a very big name when it comes to this particular book, uh, Lincoln on Leadership. You should look that up. Lincoln on Leadership, Executive Strategies for Tough Times. We'll be back with more right after this. Sennheiser has been continuously setting trends in the audio industry. Wherever people care passionately about recording, transmitting, or playing sound, Sennheiser will be there. Artists, disc jockeys, scientists, sound technicians, or demanding music lovers, the Sennheiser name always stands for premium products, headphones, microphones, and all-around audio solutions. The ultimate in sound quality. Sennheiser. Hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz with Redemption Press here. Are you a coach, pastor, blogger, small group leader, thought leader, ministry, or industry professional with a message that could benefit others? If so, we'd love to help you produce a professional book that can open new doors and be an impact to other people's lives. We'd love to hear about your idea and see how we can help with our personalized writing coaches and professional editorial team. Visit redemption-press.com. God has designed you for a unique purpose. Get equipped for God's call with a degree from Clark Summit University. Choose from undergraduate and master's degrees available completely online in programs like business, counseling, Bible, and education. For some programs, it's possible to earn your degree in as little as two years, or you can complete the degree you previously started. See if you qualify for a tuition discount. Answer God's call on your life and become a Christ-centered, career-ready graduate. Go to clarksummitu.edu slash podcast. That's clarksummitu.edu slash podcast. Okay, we're back with Donald T. Phillips and his book, Lincoln on Leadership, Executive Strategies for Tough Times. I guess you could say this is a tough time. That's why it's so popular every year. <laughs> a tough time in politics. And uh, But uh, let's get down to some of the nitty gritty. And we want to talk more about uh, Abraham Lincoln and his background. It's hard to just kind of cuisinart. Uh, what you think about leadership and Abraham Lincoln, but try. You know, I had to, I had to really kind of study uh, not only Abraham Lincoln, but I had to study leadership and to really understand it. And um, Lincoln talked a lot about, about leadership, even though the word leadership didn't actually exist when he was president. He, he was, he was a leader. He was very strong. And he, he had to listen to people 
but he also had to provide his own vision and set goals and mobilize people. And, you know, his, his whole, um, his whole uh, reason for being president of the United States was to preserve the federal union. And that was what he was trying to do. He'd sworn an oath uh, based on the constitution to preserve the United States of America. And um, he mobilized people behind that vision. He basically, when the South seceded, which they did actually just, just before he became president of the United States from between the time he was, um, elected and the time he actually took office was four months back then, four months back then. And the, the, the South actually seceded, formed the Confederate States of America, had their own constitution, had their own, uh, uh, president, uh, Jefferson Davis, uh, and their own Congress. And they basically decided that they were, they were out and, and that was it. So Lincoln, when he took office, that's what he was faced with. So it was an unprecedented situation. And what he had to do was to convince people that he was right, that we needed to preserve the United States of America. And, and that's where his leadership really comes in. And when you, when you step back and you look at the situation he inherited and uh, the fact that in four, only really a little, little over one term, four years later, he had preserved the United States of America based on his leadership, almost solely based on his leadership, is, is a remarkable, remarkable thing. And so by studying how he did that, uh, we can learn about the basics of, of uh, great leadership. Yeah, I like the fact that, you know, you can look, uh, people do this in sports, you know, they watch an old film of either a boxer or a football player, you know, however, but I mean, I know we should be doing the same thing. And that's kind of what you've done with, with Abraham Lincoln. If we study him, and uh, do you find also that uh, CEOs are studying him? Are people uh, not dumb, but are they, uh, <laughs> are they overlooking this if they don't go back to the figures of history and really make a study of it? It's something, you know, I'm embarrassed that I don't do that. There, there are a lot of people who are very, very impactful, influential, and successful. And so, you know, we should be looking at Abraham Lincoln. And do you know a lot of people that have, you know, discovered him all of a sudden thanks to your book? Well, over the years, uh, yes, I've had a lot of people ask me to come and speak, which which I've done. And uh, um, one of the things that people pick up on is that that Lincoln looked for the best people he could to build his team. And he was a team-oriented individual, and he kept looking for people who uh, were just as good a leader as, as he was, if he could find them. And he put them all in his cabinet. I mean, he, he started putting people in, in his cabinet who uh, he had defeated for the uh, Republican presidential nomination. And, you know, these days you defeat somebody for the nomination and, and they go different ways usually, but Lincoln put them all in his cabinet. And one of his uh, secretaries asked him, you know, why are you doing this, uh, Mr. President? That all these guys think that they're smarter than you are and they're going to try to usurp your authority. And Lincoln said, well, if you can find anyone else who thinks he's smarter than I am, let me know and I'll put them all in my cabinet where I can keep an eye on them. Um, and he made a joke out of something that was quite serious because he uh, was threatened with a dissolution of the union, which uh, the Constitution hadn't provided for. And he needed the best people he could um, on his team uh, to help him. And he needed people that uh, just wouldn't be yes men, but would uh, lead in their own right. 
What I find interesting as far as, once again, the, the candidates uh, to be president of the United States and, and how they make their appeal, I think we're tired of fighting, you know? And so when someone is able to get down on our level and talk to us, and so I kind of feel that's what's happening with, uh, with Pete Buttigieg and, uh, and Klobuchar and, uh, uh, of course, you know, Bernie Sanders is doing well. Uh, but it seems like they're not talking at us that they're kind of talking with us and uh, people are surprised of the outcome where all of a sudden they're, you know, <laughs> it went from like last to first. I mean, just an example. Okay. Nothing, nothing bad against Joe Biden or anything like that. Uh, but sometimes people are surprised that he gets a little snappy with some of the people uh, when he talks back to them or at them. Um, and they take notice of those things, don't they? Oh, yeah. You know, of course, the people take notice of those things. And, you know, I think the American people haven't changed all that much. They, you know, we all want to have someone to represent us in the White House uh, to to follow, you know, what are you going to do for us or follow our hopes and our dreams and make this country as, as great as it, it can be. Uh, but that's about the people, you know, we the people of the United States of America. And that's what Lincoln did. Lincoln Lincoln went back to, to uh, he kind of resurrected the Declaration of Independence and he dusted off the Constitution and he ta- started talking about why the nation was formed in the first place and, and why people want to have a president who represents their best interests and the nation as a whole. And Abraham Lincoln was, was a real people person. He loved to get out there and, and talk to individuals and, and he was a very nice man. He was uh, he had some something of a charisma. He used to tell stories and jokes and anecdotes, and he was a very, very good listener. And what he wanted to do, uh, not only to preserve the nation, but do the right thing for the individuals in the United States, and in this case, the Union, uh, he he was able to mobilize everybody to a higher cause. And it was it was really pretty remarkable that the, the you go back and you read some of the initial um, firsthand accounts of meeting Lincoln and when he talked to people and how he spoke. Um, and he, he spoke very common, commonly. He used common words and use highfalutin words or big words. And he related to individuals. And most people who met him uh, said that once you sit down and meet with him, uh, it's very difficult to come away without a positive impression of a man who was very sincere who cared about other people and wanted to do the right thing um, for the nation. And he was also unbelievably smart. You know, he was a, in essence, he was a constitutional lawyer. Yeah, he was brilliant, actually. Uh, He's a self-taught lawyer. um, And even even, uh, the Southerners that he met, members of of, of, uh, the the Confederate States, uh, were impressed by Abraham Lincoln. And and uh, knew that when the war was winding down, that um, that he was going to let them go. He was he was going to try to let everybody back into the union without malice. With you know his famous statement, with malice toward none, and using those those biblical references. You know, for example, in the second inaugural address, when when he said, you know, with malice toward none, with charity for all, with um, you know. He said he wanted all the nations to come back in. Uh, you know, he got that quote from the Judgment of Nations from Matthew 25. You know, and and uh, he consistently 
used that and and everybody recognized back then what he was doing and he was bonded uh mm. to them by uh, biblical quotations and christian values it's it's really pretty phenomenal actually. yeah it sounds that way and you know I'm, I'm thinking of course you know you do a study on martin luther king as well and uh we have to learn all this growing up you know they try to teach you some culture here <laughs> when you're growing up in school <laughs> and get us uh, as popeye says get us uh, educated and everything but uh we tend to lose that and to not look at uh, that what he was doing from what you're saying is kind of interweaving the fabric of society, the human condition. And these are beautiful, beautiful uh, speeches uh, that connect us all. And I, I think about what's happening, you know, on both parties, Democrat, Republican, there's fighting and it's it gets really messy. And uh, all you have to do is, you know, focus on, I imagine it's not as easy as that, but uh, the human condition, you know, don't underestimate it, right? As far as what brings us all together, I think people are finding that some of these candidates that are coming to the forefront is because they are um, able to touch on that, the human condition, what brings us together. Oh, I don't think there's any question. Uh, you know, if, if candidates can come out and talk about the little guy, the individuals, and really, really do something and connect with uh, American voters, I mean, that that's what they're looking for. I mean, we're not looking for politicians anymore we're working we're looking for people who will represent us our best interests the values of the united states of america and do the right thing and part of the problem i think we we have these days is that people play to the television cameras and mm. and they try to say the things that they think will get them votes rather than saying the things that they really believe in and relating to average American people. I think you're yeah, absolutely things, right, Michael. I think those things blew up. Uh, Senator Warren, when she said, "You, I think you lied to me on national television," and, uh, <laughs> and and people are thinking that you know what does that have to do with me? You know how is that helping me? <laughs> as, as far as uh, uh, you know, yeah, I think you're right, and I think that that really hurt her when when she said that. I do. And it's like she was trying to pick a fight with Bernie or pick a fight with Pete, and I think people want want our public representatives to rise above all of that. Mm -hmm. And it's not about you. It's about us. It's about the American people. Yeah. And our special guest is Donald T. Phillips and his book, Lincoln on Leadership, Executive Strategies for Tough Times. We're going to come back and learn a whole lot more about Abraham Lincoln. Stay here. Every day, over three and a half million children walk, bike, and ride to a Christian school. Every day. But many of our schools are in danger of closing. Our Christian schools are too important to our children, to our families, and to our nation to let that happen. Christian School Management at christianschoolmanagement.org is dedicated to the health of our Christian schools. Contact christianschoolmanagement.org to help your Christian school fill and stay filled with children impacting our nation. Charlotte Christian College and Theological Seminary believes that every Christian has a distinct calling and that he or she must boldly respond to that call. Charlotte Christian specializes in equipping the adult learner and all degrees are available both online and on campus. Degree fields include urban Christian ministry, biblical studies, pastoral studies, and more. So whether you are called to full-time ministry or as a co-vocational minister, Charlotte Christian can help you. Visit us at charlottechristian.edu or call 704-334-6882. 
All right, we're back with Donald T. Phillips. Uh, he is a staple in the leadership uh, industry in the book called Lincoln on Leadership, Executive Strategies for Tough Times. Just an example for any of the candidates uh, that are listening. Uh, <laughs> refrain from reading attacks upon yourself so you won't be provoked. That is a big one because a lot of people are tweeting uh, in the middle of the night, uh, hurt by what people are saying. And don't be terrified, it says, by an excited populace and hindered from speaking your honest sentiments. And there's so many uh, gems here that you drew out from, from all this. It's amazing. I mean, you could really like build a whole, I don't know, you can go to all the people in history, but somehow, you know, Abraham Lincoln, this works, this book. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and you know, those, those couple of quotes that you mentioned, those were actually words that Abraham Lincoln said. Uh, and so he really thought about things and he taught people about leadership and how to deal with things. And he, he would not, you know, he, because he was president of the United States, uh, half the nation seceded. <laughs> they, they didn't like him. He wasn't even on the ballot in most of the southern states during the first election and the second election you know, when he was reelected. And, um, but, but he, he had this way about him and this decisiveness and he, he was going to preserve the United States. Of, and that's, that's what it was going to take. And he was going to do everything he could to make sure that the dream of the founding fathers um, didn't fall through. In fact, he, somebody asked him one time, why, why was he so adamant about keeping the nation together? And he said, well, we, we have to settle this question now, whether in a free government, the minority have the right to rise up and overthrow the majority whenever they want. If we fail, the American experiment is over. Uh, and that was, that was his belief. And he, he would talk about that to, to most people. And, and they realized that he was true. And he started, he would talk about George Washington and, and the founding fathers and, and what the nation was there for. And you talk about the constitution of the United States. And, and um, he, he was a, a remarkable human being who was able to put uh, the needs of the nation above politics. And in fact, he, he's, he's really well known for, for doing that regularly, even before he was elected president, but especially when he became president and, you know, he there were a lot of there was a lot of sniping among the Republicans back then, and he would generally not say anything about it. But then, when it got really bad, he he once uh, wrote uh, to one of the um, to one of the leading Democrats in New York. He said something to the effect of, "In this in this time of national peril, meaning the Civil War, he said I would have preferred to meet you upon a." a level one step higher than any platform, because I am sure that from a more elevated position, we could do better battle for the country we all love than we possibly can for those lower ones, where from the force of habit, the prejudices of the past and selfish hopes of the future, we are sure hmm. to expend much of our ingenuity and strength in finding fault with and aiming blows at one another. That's one of my favorite quotes. I love that. Um, and and it, dem it demonstrates that here was a man who, who really was putting the United States of America first, not himself. So, Donald, I want to ask you a question. I mean, uh, we saw about the impeachment and the trial. And, yes, there's some smart people, right, both sides, lawyers, if you will, and people who know history. But I, I get the feeling, and I want to ask you, 
uh, do people know the Constitution as well as you would think? I mean, I know they're lawyers and smart and, and you know, busy, well, you know, special interest groups and all that. But uh, how well do you think people really know the Constitution and, and what is in there and the other articles of, uh, of politics that our forefathers you know, put together? Probably not as well today as, as we should. You know, um, years ago when I was growing up, uh, we took government. We, we had civics courses. We were taught the Constitution. We were taught, uh, the, uh, you know, how the government worked and everything and what the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence were, were all about. And it seems to me that we don't, we don't have that kind of teaching these days and haven't had the same thing for the last maybe 25 years ago or so. And so a lot of people, uh, when this uh, whole thing of impeachment came up, a lot of people had to be reeducated about what, what that was. And, That's what I um, gathered. yeah. And, and, it, you know, it, it, it's, uh, you know, a lot of people just didn't really understand. In fact, most people, I think thought that when a president was impeached, he was out, which isn't true. He can be impeached in the house, but there has to be a trial in, in the Senate. Um, and unfortunately today, it, it seems like, you know, with the impeachment of Trump and with the previous impeachment of Clinton, it was more of a political thing than it was something that really, um, was supported by the American people on both sides. So and who gets the bill? <laughs> right. Well, we, yeah, we, the American we pay the people. bill. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. really so, and that's why there's so much anger. And, uh, as far as not thinking that they're always working on our behalf. But I, I did get that feeling, though, that not, not they didn't really understand on the Democratic side really what was happening with this. It seemed like they thought they had an argument, but I mean, what a waste of time. Yeah. The, the whole idea of uh, impeaching the president is very, very serious. And I, I think that uh, the Democrats knew uh, from the very beginning that uh, the president was not going to be convicted in the Senate. And so a lot of people said, well, why move forward in the first place? And I, I think that the Democrats felt that, that, uh, that this president had done something, done something seriously wrong and that it was up to Congress to, to deal with it because you can't deal with it in the courts because the president is basically the head of the Justice Department. <laughs> so, so somebody has to deal with it. And it's the three different branches of government. And, and I think that that's why they, they move forward. But it, 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 I think they knew from the very beginning that uh, they weren't going to be successful in the Senate. Yeah, I want to know how uh, Abraham Lincoln would do in today. This would be a great movie, right? If you get the presidents of the past and you bring how would they deal with what's happening today? How would, especially Abraham Lincoln, since we're talking about him and it's his birthday, how do you think he would handle uh, some of the issues today or some of the politics of today? First of all, the, the uh, you know, people are, are talking today about the divided nation and, uh, you know, people are, you know, north against south, conservative against liberal and all that. Well, Lincoln, Lincoln's situation was far worse, very divided to the point where half the nation seceded and tried to form a new country. So the principles that Abraham Lincoln employed during the Civil War to preserve the nation can be used today as well as, as they were back then. He was a very decisive person. He set goals and was results-oriented. He got good people uh, to work with him. He spent a lot of time 
uh, talking to the other side, trying to persuade people, trying to get people together. He was an excellent orator and, and public speaker. He was an excellent writer and, and was great at communication, um, not just writing and, and public speaking, but he was, a, he was a storyteller. And he persuaded people through conversation. But he had this way to, uh, to bring people together that we seem to lack today. Yes. Um, and and he, he really made a, a, a huge effort to do that. And eventually, of course, he also had to be very strong and, and, and very decisive. And he took, you know, he, he, he reset the limits of the presidency of the United States by um, basically uh, refusing to allow the Confederacy to secede and, and basically um, raised an army to prevent that. And so he was, he was very forceful uh, and he was driven to achieve, but at the same time, he cared about people and you know, it's a combination of a drive to achieve with the capacity to care about people. So I want to let you know our special guest is Donald T. Phillips, Lincoln on Leadership is the name of the book. He's a best-selling author and known for his ability to tell stories and bring history alive with crisp, compelling prose. And his trilogy on American leadership, Lincoln on Leadership, the Founding Fathers on Leadership, and Martin Luther King Jr. on Leadership. It has won worldwide acclaim, and he's been featured on CNBC, Bloomberg, and just about everywhere, Fox Morning Television, Voice of America, uh, CBS. We're going to come right back. We're going to learn a whole lot more. Abraham Lincoln. And right after this, Christians in Action Missions International is actively accepting applications from those desiring to win the lost at any cost. We've been sending long-term missionaries throughout the world for 62 years. We emphasize intentional personal evangelism, equipping disciples, and planting churches among the nations. We empower national leadership to demonstrate and declare the love of God to the unreached. Journey with us as we take the gospel to the world. Log on at cinami.org. Org. That's CINAMI.org or call 559-370-4103. The world and everything in it delivers sound journalism grounded in God's Word through a daily 30-minute podcast. From essential headlines to feature stories to international news straight from the field. After only one or two listens, you'll wonder how you got through your daily routine without it. Listen anywhere you typically enjoy podcasts or by going to wng.org slash podcast. Okay, we're back with Donald T. Phillips, his book, Lincoln on Leadership. It is the president, Abraham Lincoln's birthday. So do you celebrate his birthday or, you know, piece of cake or anything like that? Oh, <laughs> well, he's, uh, his birthday is 211 years since Abraham Lincoln was born today and uh, people do uh, acknowledge his birthday all over the world seems like every every year I, I get a call or a request to speak or or something along those lines to to acknowledge that and it, it's a good thing people people uh, people love Abraham Lincoln he's an icon around the world not just in the United States and he's something of a, of a moral compass still these days you know you, you'd like to think that humanity uh, as again, can unite us all together. It seems like people, when they get into politics today, if you don't know how to play dirty, you're not going to win in today's politics. I mean, let's be honest, right? But uh, I imagine, is it true that way? Were there some dirty players back then or, or were they all kind of, did they all have these uh, virtues like uh, 
what is it, George Washington? He never told a lie? <laughs> well, the cherry tree and everything, but yeah, <laughs> even, even, even back then, the, uh, you know, uh, there was dirty politics in the days of uh, Jefferson. Uh, uh, Washington, it picked up after he became president, especially when, when he wanted to run for a second term, and, and he did, and he won. And of course, Lincoln was called every name in the book, and they had Democratic newspapers back then, they had Republican newspapers, and all kinds of, of, of things happened and names were called to people and so on. But Lincoln, to his credit, didn't participate in that stuff individually. It, uh, and, and he tried to rise above it all, as, as, as I said. But yeah, it, it always it was just as bad back then as it is today. Only now it's more it's on television everywhere. No. Yeah, right. Well, uh, I just have a question and, and kind of closing, I suppose. How do these presidents decide what currency they're going to be on? Like uh, President Lincoln on a penny and a five dollar bill. But how, how did that happen? How, who gets to decide that? <clears throat> well, that happened after he was gone, of course. And that is decided by the United States Treasury. And uh, and Congress has to approve it. So that's, you know, Lincoln you know, when Lincoln was assassinated, um, he was shot on Good Friday and he died the next morning. And he was cemented in history as a mythical figure. And people celebrated him. And uh, a lot of people believe that he was sent sent down by God and, and taken away on Good Friday. And and he it was like a, couple, a week after, he, after the Civil War ended and he was taken away. Uh, so we honor him today on currency, and um, many, many uh, schools are named after him, cities and towns, streets. Cars. Right, Lincoln, car, yeah. And, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, this, this happens afterwards by people remembering him. And, you know, the Lincoln Memorial was dedicated 50 years after his, after his death, and, it, and his son, Robert Lincoln, was there to um, help lay the cornerstone and dedicate the memorial. So uh, we, the United States remembers him, and, and, and people around the world think very, very highly of Abraham Lincoln. And it's pretty amazing, uh, the letters that I've received and the comments I've received from... You know, the truth is, there's so many virtues that you bring to the forefront. Uh, and you did a great... I love to go on, you know, on Amazon. I was reading your reviews of Lincoln on Leadership, uh, Executive Strategies for Tough Times. Donald T. Phillips has been our wonderful special guest, and people really, really enjoy this book. Now, this is very different because of the angle that you chose to uh, make us better as people, as leaders. And uh, if we don't have those values and virtues, we're not going to go far in life. Oh, I, I agree 100%. And, and, uh, and that's what I tried to do, and, and uh, I had to fight had to fight the publishers to write it the way I wanted it. And this book was, uh, this manuscript was rejected 17 times wow. by 17 different publishers before I finally got it published and then sat there for a couple of years and then it took off. And um, I'm very proud to say that it's still in print after what, 28 years. And, and, you know, you called me for the interview on Lincoln's birthday. And I think that's really a great tribute to, to Abraham Lincoln and, and and to his his values and his moral compass, which we we so dearly need today. I, think. I completely agree, and we have to we want to be better as uh, as people and as a nation. And uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned that seventeen times that number that your uh, manuscript was uh, or manuscript was rejected. I understand that seventeen times that uh, Abraham Lincoln's grave was moved. Is that right? I didn't. Yeah. Well, I know it was. 
it was moved, but I don't know if it was that many times. But yeah, I, 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 I read that. And this is just, you know, like Wikipedia. But I mean, five times that it was actually open the grave, but 17 times they had to move it. The exact same My number goodness. that your manuscript was rejected. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is, that's, that's uh, scary. That's interesting. Yeah, that's scary. You're, you're a gem, and people should take your book seriously. They continue to all through the years. Lincoln on Leadership, Executive Strategies for Tough Times. Donald T. Phillips, our special guest. Thank you for being on the program. Michael, it was my pleasure. Thank you very much for asking, and and God bless you and and your listeners. Our sponsors with over 90 years' experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems, for more information, please visit north-america.bairdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth To Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice. Total sound control products from Oralex enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators.